You are listening to College Success Habits with Jesse Mogul. Welcome to the show. Oh, this show's the best. The best show. Best show. Best show ever. Welcome to the College Success Habits Podcast. Do you want to triumph through school and have a little fun along the way? Learn habits to help you attain better productivity and hacks to help you slide through classes at any age. Here's your host, college circuit speaker, Jesse Mogul. Welcome back, everyone. It's so great to have you here today. I have an absolutely one of my favorite guests. I've been looking forward to introducing her to you for quite some time now. This is Melissa Wilson, who will be getting ready to speak. Um, I know her as Slimco because we have been best friends since high school and college. She is, first of all, super awesome. Let's make sure we all understand that about her. (laughs) Uh, She has a master's in educational counseling. She spent 12 years as a primary school teacher in the last five years as a college academic advisor. She's the mother of three little hellions, and she is making sure that she gives them the best kind of habit creation structure possible. I'm super excited to bring her to you all because she works specifically as a college academic advisor at the Indiana University, Purdue University, Columbus, Indiana campus, which is a commuter school. And I think that there's a lot of insight she can bring to you guys about how to be a commuter student that will also be very important for those of you who are just on campus at a a, a traditional school, but more importantly, for those of y'all who are in the commuter school world, I think she's going to have some amazing insight for how to make sure that you are successful during your time there. Melissa, welcome to the show. Thank you. That was quite the introduction. <laughs> I want to make sure people understand that you are super awesome. First and foremost, it is Thank so, you. I'm so excited for this. This is uh, one of the moment I decided to launch this. You were one of the first people I reached out to. And your experience and, and the conversations we've had when I come to visit you, because you're also a certified life coach, you do a lot of work um, outside of the school, um, let's say construct. And I just think you have a really great insight on what it takes for students to be successful, specifically at commuter schools. Yes, great. I'm glad to be here. Well, let's jump in because there's so much we want to cover in this little amount of time that we have today. I know you have a busy schedule as well. Your three keys that we're going to discuss today um, are time management, but specifically for online courses, also um, communication with your instructors and teacher's aides on campus, and the third one would be a campus connection, which I think is extremely important for those that are on commuter schools. Um, Let's jump right in with time management, because this is something that I think everyone needs to be building a positive habit creation around. And for one that you've seen a lot of, you've seen so many different students, what is your insight on who those that ultimately are successful versus those who could be more successful versus those who just flat out struggle? Definitely the the biggest thing that I notice with our um, successful students is they have learned to plan and manage their time appropriately. So really they are using different calendar apps, planning apps, um, even still paper calendars, carrying those with them, blocking out um, their entire semester, but then breaking it down week by week by week, um, just allowing them to see what assignments they have due, what reading they should um, be doing on a regular basis, 
when they need to start studying for their tests and having each week blocked out like that in their planners and in their calendars, I think is really important for them to stay on task and then be able to see kind of what's coming up and for them to prioritize um, what needs to be done, what maybe can wait another day or two, but always staying on top and kind of ahead of those assignments and readings. Have you seen any difference between those who choose an analog um, calendar versus a digital calendar? Um, I think that it's always best. And I, we're, I work with several um, nursing students who really like to have the paper calendar in front of them open where they can see and manipulate easily. They love to use their highlighters. I find that lots of students love to color code things where they are color coding class time, study time, work time, um, and being able to just visualize things that way. I think sometimes when they're trying to use apps on their phones or on their laptops, that some of that gets lost or it might not be at their fingertips as quickly as maybe just having a planner with them and opening those things up. That's awesome to hear that, um, you know, millennials or, you know, whether they like that term or not, I'm a Gen Xer. I've just always stuck with analog, you know, the written calendar, because that's what I was raised on. And I just love being able to see, I've got a month one, a day one, an hour one. I like having all of that in front of me. So it's good to hear that there's still people who are doing it that way and not beholden to the digital version. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have at the beginning of the semester, if you were to go into any of those classes the first week, you know, they have their syllabi online. Um, they usually will print it off and then sit with their planner and really plan out week to week to week when they have tests or um, readings that are due, big projects that are due, and really have that all at their fingertips right there with their, with their planner. Now, when it comes to the online classes, this is this is why I was when you brought that up, I got really excited about it because I know back whenever I was in school, online classes were offered, but they weren't as as many. And now I feel with technology being what it is, the, the online classes are much more accessible. But at the same time, there takes a very dedicated time management action around that, or you're going to fall behind very quickly and then try to cram all that information into your brain a week before the test. Yes, absolutely. Online classes um, are definitely here and um, several students take advantage of those. Um, some, especially newer um, college students, so those that maybe are just graduating high school or just in their first or second year, they're, they're saying, oh, I haven't tried an online class. Let's try it. But there are definite keys to being successful in those online classes. Um, one thing would be to keep in mind is that um, planning that time out, you need to set a specific time and day every week that is just designated for that particular online class. So spending Mondays and Wednesdays from one o'clock to three o'clock on that one class um, would be really important, almost like you're at class in sitting in a classroom, but maybe you're at the library or maybe you're in a study room of some sort and you are just focusing on assignments and readings for that particular class. 
this is going to be really good to bring back up when we get to the campus connection that we're going to discuss towards the end, because it's another reason to stay on campus and be more active while you're there rather than trying to go home and say, okay, well, now I'm going to take that online class while I'm sitting on my couch, which sure seems more comfortable, but your brain also knows that the couch is a place to relax, not necessarily a place to study, and it could backfire. Absolutely. And my um, advice to those students when I am helping them make out their schedules um, for the semester and if they choose to take an online class is if they have maybe a 10 o'clock class to 1130 and then their next class is until maybe 130 or 2, just like you said, staying on campus and maybe that is the time, the, the time in between there that they designate to that online class. That's a great idea. I really hope that if they haven't already started to do that, that they take what you've just said to heart because online classes are great because you don't have to make it somewhere, but you still need to take on the importance as if you're expected to be there at a certain time every week. Right. Now, we mentioned we'll go to the key number two, the communication with instructor, instructors and teacher's aid. Um, let's discuss this because it, perhaps even more important with those online classes is knowing who to reach out to and make sure that if you do start to struggle, that you have assistance, that you're not doing this alone. But also in those classes you are attending, making sure that your presence is known. I think in one of the Marco Polos that you sent, you had mentioned something about the instructor and you paused and my response right afterwards was, make sure they know you exist. <laughs> and I think it's really important that the instructors know that you're in the class, they, that they can see your face and they know your name so that if you need assistance, they're ready to reach out and help you. Yes, um, and really, with, with here being on our campus, we're a much smaller campus than some of these larger universities where you might have three, 400 people in a lecture. Um, but yes, making sure that your instructor knows who you are. If you are questioning your ability to be successful in the class, if you aren't understanding the material, you definitely want to make your presence known early on. So, and there are a couple reasons for that. Um, to get early help, right, before you start failing assignments, failing tests, you definitely want to make sure that you have that help early on so your grades don't slip all the way through the semester. But then also for your instructor to know who you are, it might even be a difference between, you know, a, getting a C minus or a C or a C plus and a B minus in the class. If they know that you're putting in the effort and that you care about your grade and um, how successful you are in that class, then that really sometimes makes the difference. You know, as you were saying that, I thought because you're a commuter school, there's going to be students with different kinds of uh, things that they have to take care of at home that perhaps a traditional student wouldn't have to, whether it's kids at home, maybe they still live with their parents and they're responsible for things there. So letting the professor or the teacher's aide understand some of the other issues that are going on in their lives so that if they don't get assignments done on time, they don't think it's just because they were out drinking at the bar. Maybe it's like, oh, my kid was sick or I had to go do this, that or the other. Absolutely. Being part of a smaller campus like this, we have a lot of those, you know, non-traditional students. We have returning adult learners. They definitely have full-time jobs, um, families. So the more information that you are willing to share with your instructor, um, letting them know who you are, you know, why you're seeking the degree, why the class is important to you, 
um, is really important. Those instructors are here to um, help you succeed and they want to see you graduate. And that's what they're here for. So anytime that you have a chance to ask questions or seek out some advice from them um, would be really beneficial. And I can't stress this enough for my listeners out there. Don't take telling the professor that you've got children at home or a full-time job is like, okay, cool. Now don't come at it with an excuse mindset. Like, well, good. Now I told them about my other struggles so that if, you know, I do slack off, I'll have a leeway, you know, use it as a growth mindset opportunity and say, look, I do have these other things, but I want to be just as committed as the person who doesn't have those other, um, let's say obligations that they have to attend to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Not using them as a crutch, but just allowing that instructor to be aware of your situations and that you that you tell them that you are going to do your best and that the class is important to you. I think that's extremely important. It's it's all about communication with these professors because they do have a lot of students and it is a commuter school. So being actively, uh, being an active participant in your education and letting them know where you could use some more help. And that's where there's so many different resources for help. And let's discuss that a little bit because I know I didn't utilize mine as much. I mean, I prefer to do all of my studying at bars, you know, which was not beneficial. <laughs> But there are teacher's aides, there's tutors at the library, there's so many, go over a few of those options that people have that perhaps they've heard a little bit about, but they've never followed through on. Yeah, so in some of your bigger courses, you might have maybe a grad student that's serving as a TA. So again, that's just an extra person that if you're not able to connect um, as quickly as you would like with the instructor, your TA would be a great resource for you. Also, um, the library. So just seeking out what services maybe the library provides for students. So an academic resource center might be there. There might be tutors in different areas of study. So whether it be math or science or English composition, something like that, there are always those people that are designated to help students um, be successful in any of those classes. Several times I have found that in some of the harder courses, um, when I am working with my students, they take some really heavy science courses. They form and are strongly encouraged to form study groups for them within themselves. So being able to join a study group, especially before big tests and um, going over flashcards, definitions, things like that uh, is also something that you're even able to just do on your own without needing um, maybe an actual campus resource. But those campus resources are so beneficial to students and it's what you pay your tuition for. It is those types of services that are here for you to utilize in order for you to be successful. You're an academic advisor. How um, How much of a role do you play in making sure these students stay on track? Because I know I leaned on my academic advisor very heavily. In fact, more than I even went to my, my professors. I leaned on her for a lot of knowledge about where I should be going around campus. How do you, What's your role in this? As an academic advisor and all the academic advisors that are here on this campus, um, I believe have a wealth of knowledge on the resources that are available to students and even those resources here on campus, but also outside of campus, right? Because we really focus on the holistic advising approach. Um, But they, 
are able to answer questions for you. A huge part of my job is really keeping tabs on my students. So not necessarily looking at grades and nitpicking each of your assignments and why have you not turned this in, but the instructors will contact us if they are concerned about a student, if maybe they haven't heard from the student or you, you maybe are missing a couple of assignments, they'll reach out. Um, our campus utilizes what we call a flag system. So after the first couple of weeks in the semester, if you have not contributed or maybe you're off to a really rocky start, those flags then will send signals to the academic advisors and to the student so we all can be on the same page with the student to make sure that they have the resources that they need in order for them to be successful in that way. I want to go back to holistic advising here in a second, but what blew my mind what you just said was I don't think the University of Florida had any kind of system in place that where the professor would let the academic advisor know that I was screwing up. Is if so, I would have heard about it because I was screwing up a lot. So I think that's really great that your campus has that system in place where the professors are talking to the advisors and they're making sure there's some accountability for themselves to make sure that they don't let a student slip through the cracks. And that's one of the benefits of being on a smaller campus. I mean, when you're at a regional campus of a large state university, um, that is definitely one of the perks that our students have here. Several of our instructors know our students by name and um, the advisors know the students by name. So for us to be able to have that connection with them, um, I just think increases their success levels. It's really great for students to be thinking about whether they want to go to a smaller school before, you know, for their first two years general studies to get their feet underneath them and really be able to start to acclimate into the college learning environment because it's, it's way less structured than high school. I've brought this up on many of my other episodes that it's just, you know, you get up, you go to school, it's bell, 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 day over. And with college, there's so much more freedom that the, that the student has that they need to start being able to, to time manage it that a lot better. And it sounds like these smaller regional campuses, these commuter schools offer uh, the structure if the student's willing to jump in and, you know, take the reins. Yes, agree. Let's discuss what holistic advising is. Oh, you liked that term. Um, Holistic advising. So when I was hired on here um, five years ago um, through the nursing division, there were two advisors and they were looking into just some different ideas of the advisors not only being somebody that tells you what classes you have to take in order to graduate with a specific degree. It was the thought that Um, We have these degrees, most of us, in some kind of counseling, educational, psychology, counseling um, background where we can do more than just say, here is a class that you have to take and then kind of do the checkboxes for you. So um, we have let the students know that when they come into our office, that they not only get that academic assistance and those resources, but also the social, emotional, physical health resources that they need in order for them to just be an all-around healthy college student. Um, It's not just academics that students struggle with. I mean, if their academics are struggling, then that means they're probably struggling in other areas. 
And we try to eliminate those barriers for them in order for them to really be a successful student and graduate. That's awesome. It just seems like there's so much more information now that the advisors and the schools have on on how to help a student become successful that whether it was there when I you know again I was not the best student whenever I was in school but I definitely know that I I I went after a lot of that help but I didn't I didn't follow through and I think that's where I dropped the ball is I would get these professors and, and these academic advisors on my side and then I would be missing meetings I wouldn't show up on time and it was really me dropping the ball not them Right, right. And, and, it, and it, is, it is the student. You have to, you have to want it. You have to um, want to put the effort into it because ultimately it does come down to how much work are you putting in. All of these people are here to support you and you have the resources, but it's you doing that and, and really putting the effort into that. Yeah, there's a lot more onus on the student because, I mean, and that, you know, whether we want to get into the conversation about do people need to jump right into school or take that gap year or whatnot, if you make the decision to go to school and start to go after what it is that you want, and, you know, I've talked to a lot of students because of this show, and they're like, I don't even, didn't even know what I wanted to do till my junior year, but I knew that making the, the right decisions my freshman, sophomore year would put me in the best situation later on down the road. Absolutely. And that's a whole other show talking about emotional intelligence and do they have the emotional intelligence to make them a right out of high school, first year, successful college student. You know, you may have just signed up for the next episode. I want when I want to discuss <laughs> that because emotional intelligence, maturity, growth, that's going to be an entire month long series because I lacked a lot of that, you know, because of my family situation, leaving high school, going into college, I was not in the right headspace. My parents weren't paying attention to me. They got divorced. I showed up on campus basically ready to just explode. And I chose, you know, the Grateful Dead and drinking beer on a Tuesday afternoon <laughs> over going to the library. And this is a great segue for the campus connection, because when you brought this up, I thought, yeah, that's what I didn't do at Ball State. Even though I was in a fraternity, there wasn't really any other kind of campus connection I had as far as joining a club or going out and having social interactions and being a commuter school. I think it's even more important that you feel a, a connection to the campus that wants, so you stay on there. So you start to build friends because you don't have that central dorm location or other things that traditional schools would have. How have you seen that help students who actually jump in to becoming more involved on campus? Well, I definitely think even if they're thinking, oh, I don't want to join a club, I don't want to be part of student government, I don't want to do those things. Even the simple thing of, like you said, just making yourself stay on campus. In between those classes, go and study in the library. Maybe you have a science class on Wednesdays and you have two hours before your science class or an hour after your science class and you form your own study group at that time. But making the effort to stay on campus. And those, and it's not just staying and studying even, planning on having your lunch here. So packing your lunch, taking advantage of maybe the cafeteria options, um, and just staying on campus through lunchtime um, until a certain time every day. So that would be the easiest thing that you could do to stay connected is just the simple fact of staying on campus. Um, as a small school, we try to have um, clubs 
and different um, teams that do maybe um, service projects or each division has um, their own club. Like we have a, a nursing club here that does some service projects. Um, they maybe do um, blood pressure testing, those types of things, but it allows them to be still part of a group, but outside of the classroom. Um, there are also, we have student government here. We have a couple intramural um, sports teams here. So just in some way, shape or form, be connected. We have several student workers where they are getting paid to stay on campus. So, um, and a lot of them work just in some office spaces where they're allowed to you know, work on schoolwork and things that there isn't anything that maybe is going on with that particular job at that time. But we have several student workers too that um, get some of that tuition paid for while they're staying on campus and working on campus. And those are the people that are really successful um, in, in doing those things. So. And that's really what we were trying to, you know, not trying, we're working towards getting all students successful. And I've looked back at my experience and, and, and again, talking to all these college students now, most of us, we come into freshman year with an idea of what we want to do, doctor, lawyer, for me, it was journalist, but the, the, there's a vision of what we're trying to accomplish, but yet necessarily how we're going to do that. It can change wildly from freshman, sophomore, junior year. You work specifically with the nursing school. You find that everyone comes right in as freshman year and says, this is what I'm going to do, and they stick with it? Or do they allow a little, some space for fluidity in case what they ultimately want to do changes? Like, I guess if you come in, general studies are easy to accomplish the first year or two because you're just getting through the core. You don't have to necessarily decide what you want your entire life to look at, look like at 18. But what is that experience like for you when someone comes in saying, I want to be nursing? And then a year later, all of a sudden they're like, actually, I think I want to go do this instead. Um, we do. We have several students that um, come to us after maybe their first year. Um, and and we allow them, so we have a specific class that they take their first year, and it's for beginning college students that allow them to do a little bit of career exploration. Um, we um, administer the Strong Interest Inventory, which is a career counseling tool that we use, and they can see where their interests are falling. Um, do they think that maybe healthcare, taking care of other people is something that they want as opposed to business or education or something like that? Um, so we are open to hearing and having those conversations with them about that. It's better to know that obviously earlier on than third, fourth year that you're in nursing school and you're like, oh, I don't want to be a nurse now. <laughs> so um, which doesn't really happen very often, usually by so what our students do is they are in that general education, like you were talking about that first year. And so those general ed classes, we have 30 credit hours that they have to take, but those 30 credit hours will not only feed into a nursing degree, they will feed into a business degree or an education degree or something like that, as opposed to, okay, I've taken this first year. Now I've lost all 30 of those credits and I have to start over from scratch. A lot of the big schools, universities now, they have what you call the core 30, where those credits will transfer into several degree programs. 
maybe not all of them, and maybe you might have one or two of those electives or general ed courses to take to finish out another degree program. But for the most part, it allows them a little bit of freedom to kind of figure out what are they wanting to do? Is nursing really what they want to do? Or are they finding that general ed anatomy class really difficult and they really hate it? Well, then that's a conversation that I would have with that student of, okay, if you hate this anatomy class, you will probably hate your physio class too. And if you hate those classes, then you're probably not going to be successful. And then that would deem kind of the path that you would be on if you continued on nursing. So it really allows you that freedom to have those gen ed classes done. So when we go and we talk about those students that maybe aren't ready for college, I always say, well, maybe try out a couple of those gen ed classes because you're not needing to declare that major right away. You can go and take an English comp class. You can take a speech class. Those things are going to filter into several degree programs. I remember Ball State University doing that because I remember my first year, year and a half, I was just taking the gen ed classes and something you just mentioned that I think is great that, that, that your school is doing and perhaps others is having that one class where you take it to determine what is it you really want to be doing. Like where, you know, for me, I'm a communicator. I like stories. I like hearing other people's stories and telling them to other people. And so journalism was, it was for me, it was I've always wanted to be a journalist since I was in third grade and everything I've done even now with the podcasting still goes back to journalism. And so having something that says, you know, these are your interests, this is what you're really passionate about or what you really like to do. You might've thought nursing because the money's great or, you know, the hours are, you know, very, you know, when you're going to be working, but maybe you want to really want to do something different. And so I think it's great that there's a class that funnels kids in and says, let's figure out what it is you really are passionate and talented and skilled for so that you're not spending three hours, three years in nursing school just to realize that you really wanted to be, you know, an entrepreneur. Right, right. And it, those types of classes are called first year seminars. So a lot of the times when you're looking for conferences and as academic advisors, we, um, have the opportunity to go to different conferences just solely on first-year seminars and what are the types of things that you include in those first-year seminars for these incoming freshmen. So we have a lot of training on on what are those um, concepts that we put into classes like that. But going to the career counseling aspect of it too, we several campuses always have career counseling um, um, offices. So we have an office here that will do also some career assessments with you and will talk you through, well, what are your interests? What are your strengths? What do you know that you don't like? Um, and so those are opportunities also that, um, that they can take advantage of, those resources. That's great. Yeah. Algebra, geometry, physics. Those are the classes. Like what majors need those? Those are the majors I want to stay away from. <laughs> That's exactly right. Exactly. We're going to get you out of here on this because our time's almost coming to an end. Whenever you think about um, what it takes for a, a student to have successful habit creations and what it is that you hope that they come into college with versus what you have to teach them once they get there, what is that? What is something that's very crucial when it comes to positive habit creation that you see in students that you wish they all had? Um, I really think it is 
the the time going back to the time management, using your time wisely and prioritizing everything that is important at that time. So having the maturity, I think, to be able to make those decisions on how you prioritize, um, being able to have a a healthy school, work, home life balance um, is really important on um, being a successful college student. That's awesome. Well, I would like to thank you and I'd like to honor you for helping the youth of today, those kids in school, figure out what it is they're trying to do. You work specifically with the nursing students there. And so I think that's pretty awesome that you're within the healthcare. And so I'd like to honor you for taking the time out today to talk to my listeners and for helping those kids in school achieve what it is they're trying to achieve while they're in college and be as successful in life as possible. You are welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'll get you out on this one last question. If there was one message that you wish that every single college student could could hear, if they were able to take this sound clip you're getting ready to do and, and put it into every single college kid's ear, what is that one message you'd like to have to them that would allow them to, to see that success is available and, it, and is definitely possible for them if they just prioritize correctly? Um. Oh, I don't know. I put people, I, that, I put people on the spot with that question. Right? Because I thought I just did that. <laughs> you may have. So maybe I need to restructure the way I asked that. Um, it's, you know, if there were, okay, let's look at it this way. You have three young kids. What is something that you're instilling in them today that you, that you know will be in them so whenever they meet someone like you in 10 years, they're prepared? Um, really to take it all seriously and to want to better themselves in that way. So whether it be with a higher education degree, um, appreciating the opportunity that they have for that higher education degree and really putting their best foot forward um, into making that positive um, future for themselves. Oh, that's great. There we go. That's the better way to ask that question. Okay. <laughs> well, again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show. It has been a pleasure. I've been looking forward to this and we're going to have you come back for that, some of that emotional maturity uh, conversation, because I think that is for me would have been really awesome had I focused more of my attention on that when I was younger, instead of uh, drinking away my problems. I think I was trying to instill some of that in you in Ball State, but I don't think I did a very good job at that time. I was really good at blocking out the good <laughs> stuff and be like, I hear what you're saying, Melissa, but Highland and everybody, they're all at, they're all at Dill Street. So I think I'm going to go there and talk to That's them right. about this. <laughs> right. That's right. Well, for those of y'all out there listening to this, I hope you found it as enjoyable and as informational as I have. Again, if you have not already, please subscribe, rate, and review me on whatever your favorite podcasting app is. If you have done that, then go ahead and share this episode to somebody who you think would find this information beneficial. You can find me on all my social media channels at Jesse Mogul. You can check out the show notes for more information that Melissa has shared with us today. So if you need to reread some of it, it is available to you. And as always, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Take care of one another out there and happy studies. 